Hey, this is Chelsea. Welcome to the podcast where nothing is serious, especially not my advice or Jenny's. Don't take us seriously. And if you do, you might need a reality check, not a lawyer. Welcome to Jack, Ten, and Snarky. This is Jenny. And I'm Chelsea. And welcome back for part two of our snark series on the MLM that we were a part of. We've got Allison, who was here on her last episode. So we've got the second part of her today. And so we're going to just be continuing with that. But in the meantime, I'm curious, Chelsea, do you know what a canon event is? I don't. So if this is yeet your slang, I would imagine, I want to try and guess, like a canon event, I would imagine is like a big event, like a canon in history or even the etymology of the word canon would be like the keystone or cornerstone foundational piece, like the starting point of Mm -hmm. this event. I love it. That is just about spot on. Really? Yes, it's 100%. Proud of these kids for actually having slang that makes sense. Right? On the other hand, there's a couple other ones that I could share, but I'm we're going to just stick with canon event for right now. But a canon event is like when someone breaks your heart. Okay. Or when you fail a really big test. And it's the foundation of like some sort of an emotional connection that you're going to have forever. So oh. just like you said, it's the trigger of whatever that is. And so the way that they use it is that you have to have it. Like, yes, the canon event of getting broken up with is the foundation that you set all the rest of your relationships on. So I did Google it and it says an event in someone's life that may be difficult, painful or cringeworthy, but is imperative to their personal development. Wow. Actually proud of the use for this slang word. Good job. Right? Not mid. It is not mid. It's a good. It's a W. You're looking at you. I'm so proud of you. Given. Giving. That you're going to be thinking about this event for the rest of your life. Okay. Kind of okay. Like. I like it. Yeah. And my 15-year-old son gave me that one. He said, Mom, you should talk about Canon event because we talk about that all the time. So I was like, all right, I will add that into our podcast. Thank you to him. Chelsea, you are setting up a new gym in your house. I am. I had like a downstairs kitchen that I feel like was a mother-in-law unit from the previous owners, but it was super bootsy. And um, hold on. What does bootsy mean to you? Bootsy just means like really poorly done. So, for example, they had backsplash that was kind of like the metal pieces that you can buy at Home Depot. Like a metal shed? No, like, like that kind of just the corrugated metal? Not corrugated metal, but like the really thin, just kind of metal pieces you could put on the wall. Okay. Um, they were maybe like 12 by 12. They're pretty popular, like backsplashes. They're really cheap. You just put them up and they had like a decorative piping sort of pattern on them. Okay. But they had all of them in the same pattern except for the last one, which was upside down because they had cut a hole for the outlet. And so everything was looking to the right. Everything was the same except for this one piece, which was then upside down in comparison to the pattern for every other piece up there. Oh, my God. And my OCD stared at this for years because if I had ripped it off, I couldn't find it again, this pattern, of course, anymore. I would have had to redo the entire wall Mm. on the backsplash. Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting my house redone right now. And I would just kept looking at this kitchen. I've used it like three times where we live. You can't have a second stove. I learned in this whole process, if you live in a house less than 8,000 square feet, which my house is many, 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 many less than 8,000 square feet. So we were going to have to remove the stove, get the whole house part redone, have them sign off on it, and then 
surreptitiously put the stove back. And I was like, why? What's yeah. this just seems pointless right now. We don't use it. So then my brilliant brain was like, let's just put our gym here. Like, love it. Our gym is out in the garage right now. We don't use it very often because it's covered and everything else, all the detritus that, you know, accumulates in a garage. And so we just ended up extending the hardwood floor into this area and we've put our home gym down and we're getting the pieces there. So awesome. And you have a bike. I have a Peloton there already and we're putting down the mat so that it doesn't damage my beautiful new flooring, which FYI I picked by laying my golden retriever down on the floor samples that my friend Callie brought me and she gave me three options and I picked my dog up and literally put the dog down on all three to find the one that his fur matched the best. That's awesome. So you can't see. You can't see the fur as well as on my current floors. I wish that more people would consider that. I mean. What hair matches this tile so you don't have to clean it as often? Yes, because it's It's golden. It's just golden hair everywhere, Mm -hmm. like sparkle glitter everywhere. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to do it. And so you've got a weight bench. You've got some weights in there. I saw a picture. Do you guys have dumbbells or is it just... We have dumbbells as well. And then we've got the bike and the weight bench. Awesome. And I got my yoga mat. I'm ready. You're ready to go. And then you said at one point that you're putting mirrors up or no? We'll put a couple mirrors up so that it makes the space look a little bigger. My husband's Mm -hmm. like, how does that work? And I'm like, have you seen a mirror? Have you ever seen a mirror in any space ever? And how it makes any space look bigger. He doesn't understand this concept. Apparently not. I love that. So, yeah, he just did not understand that. I think the hard part for the interior designer will be the fact that the new living room area sort of backs up to the gym and okay. will probably not be her favorite to see in photos. So she'll probably just have to photograph it to the side. Do the front half of it. Yeah. If you get it set up the right way, it might look really cool. I mean, it might not be a great backdrop, but she could maybe include it in some angle. Yeah, I don't think she'll think that. Maybe not. Who knows? But I, gyms in general aren't like beautiful. They're utility. So exactly. does it work? Do you have everything you need? It's not going to be shiplap. No, we'll just focus on the floors and the doors down there. Yeah. And it has to be useful. So yes. a kitchen wasn't useful anymore. No, and not. you do work out a ton. And it just makes sense to have a gym down there and make it easy and accessible. Exactly. So love it. that's where we're at. I love it. Good for you. I'm glad Thank that you. you did it. I'm excited. It'll be good to have everything inside. Yes. And useful. I'll actually use it. So, Jenny, do you wear Crocs? Actually, I was going to ask you what your opinion is on Crocs because in general. Like, it is not positive. I know. You were very shy about telling people how you feel about things yeah. and your opinions. But I'm curious. What are your opinion on Crocs? Um, I don't have a favorable opinion on Crocs. And I find it fascinating that Nordstrom's has like a whole wall of Crocs that they sell. Mm-hmm. But also, you do you. If you want to spend money and buy Crocs and buy like stuff you can pin on them, Apparently, gibbets, gibbets, you stick them in the hole. You know that word. Yeah. Makes me really sad. Yeah. I know you don't like to say that you're middle aged, but this is showing your age, shelves because all the cool kids. I do not. All of them. That word belongs in the same sentence as Crocs. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it does not. I will say that if you don't like Crocs, you are not with it. This is a canon event in your life that something made you hate Crocs because today... Good Crocs are it. No, Crocs are it. It just is what it is. If you were anywhere around high school kids, college kids, sporting events, if you, I know, might be in the jiu-jitsu world a little bit more, but everybody at jiu-jitsu has Crocs on now. 
all the youths do when you go to the gym. They're wearing Crocs to work out and not running, but when they're lifting, they've got their Crocs on. Crocs are now the thing. And I kind of felt like you were going to say this. Yeah, it doesn't mean it should be a thing and it should not be a thing. Well, so are half these slang words, but we don't really get a choice, unfortunately. No, I can't get on board and I'm sorry. So let's go back a little bit. When we were growing up, Crocs were awful. Right. Grandparents wore Crocs. You don't have to put it in past tense. But, Not work. But it's more of the, the thought process of Crocs. Back in the day, were awful. I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast where he had the director of Idiocracy on. Uh-huh. And they were looking for the dumbest pairs of shoes that they could possibly find. And they found Crocs. Done. And that's what they used in the movie in the context of Idiocracy. Okay. Yes. As we were growing up, Crocs were the worst thing ever. And then when I had kids, I put them in Crocs because they are the ultimate four-wheel drive shoe. You can get them wet. They can hike in them. They can put them on Okay, easy. I will amend my statement. Crocs for kids, totally fine. Totally on board. No issue. Even Crocs for maybe teenagers, soccer players, that sort of thing. My kids have never owned them. I may have gotten a couple hand-me-down pairs at some point and they've worn them then or a, a Crocs rain boots. Never have I ever purchased a pair of Crocs new or purposely for my children, but I don't have any problem with Crocs for kids or young adults like 14 or under because that's who the demographic is for. Oh, so yes, that's the demographic. Okay. That, that I should have prefaced my entire Crocs feelings with. You're right. Okay. Crocs are not bad at all for those individuals. Okay. If you're over 15, you should wear shoes. What okay. The 30-year-olds who still think that Okay, fine. 15. 18. <laughs> if you're over high school age, okay, you should not be if you're paying rent or a mortgage, you should not be wearing Crocs. Wow. I'm going to go hide my Crocs downstairs now. I, yeah. I'm feeling very judged over this, Chelsea. If but... you've ever owned a checkbook and written a check, should not be wearing Crocs. What about my mom, who is old? Okay. Isn't she allowed to wear Crocs? Then, yes, at the other end of the spectrum. If you're young and if you're old. If, if you, you're middle-aged, you there's no. If you put your own shoes on, Crocs are probably for you. Like, okay. you know. Yeah. Okay. So you can't put your own shoes on. The line in the sand has been drawn. Yeah. I can't wait to replay this for you when you're eating crow in like two years when you put some Never, Crocs on and you're like, no, I can guarantee you that in the decades that they've been around it, it hasn't happened. It's never. I don't think so. Because there's going to be a point when you're like after a race and no. your feet are dying and you don't want to wear No, I can tell you right now that I've done 70.3s and never, ever have been like, you know what I need? A pair of Crocs. Just wait when you see everyone else wearing Crocs and then someone else is like, try them. They're amazing. No. Like, yes. Ufas, that is a great shoe. That is what I will wear after I will not wear Crocs ever. That's how you know I will have been abducted. You will see me in a pair of Crocs and that will be my silent cry for help. Interesting. I'm going to hold you to okay. it because I have a pair of Crocs. I actually got them because I had some foot issues and one of my, I don't know if it was my doctor or a physical therapist, but they said to get a pair of Crocs to wear on the house because I have tile all over my house. And so it was that too hard like on my feet fake. and they, they told me to get it. And so I've had Crocs for probably like three or four years, but they were house Crocs. I never wore them out. And then in the last, I don't know, six months or whatever, everybody's been wearing Crocs. So I was like, these could be worn outside. Why not? 
But I don't wear them to the grocery store. I don't wear them to Costco, Why? but I do wear them to jujitsu. Why don't you wear them to those places? Because I don't know what you wear. Like, do you wear them with exactly. your sad jeans? Do you wear them with your big jeans? I could probably wear them with like wide leg and a t-shirt, but it just yeah. feels awkward to me. Exactly. But you don't even want to wear them to like normal places like the grocery store. Doesn't that say something? I mean, I have lots of clothes I wouldn't wear to the grocery store. I'm in like full on sweats right now. I wouldn't wear this to the grocery store. That's true. But I mean, still. But to wear them to jujitsu is like, oh, the best. Like wear them there, take them off and get on the mat and then put them back on after you're done. No, I can do like a 55 mile bike ride and throw my Adidas slides on and be perfectly content. See, Crocs are the Adidas slide of this generation. No. It is. I am willing to go to the mat for this. It is. And even better, they have that little strap so you can like four wheel drive it. You can run with your Crocs on. I mean, it. All of the things you're saying right now, this is when we bring in our physical therapist uh-huh. and she is going to disagree with you. She's going to say no to Crocs. She's going to say no to Crocs and working out. But I'm not saying you're running in them. No, I'm saying like if you're late for class, you can put your four wheel drive on and you can run to class. No, I'm not saying I'm going on a treadmill gonna, and running. No, I bet she's going to say no to walking all of it. I bet she's going to say they're not good for your oh, foot. You're throwing down all kinds of gauntlets. I am. So you're going to have to get her in here to figure it out. All right. Well, you're going to see her later today? No, but I might see her at the gym tomorrow. She's always with clients when I'm there, so I'm going to have to text We'll her. send her a message and be yeah. like, hey, um, we need you to settle. We're something. talking about you on our podcast. <laughs> Hope you're listening. Please come in. She'll have a whole like, I've researched it. And yeah, these are my findings on Crocs. Okay. All right. It's nice to know you don't have an opinion on that. <laughs> I do not have an opinion on Crocs. Hey, I was willing to amend my statement that I was totally wrong. I think if you're a teenager or younger, or if you are older and can't put your own shoes on, you should be able to wear them. But Crocs for old people are like lovely as well, because it's easy for them to wear. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. You were totally right. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But so. if you are anywhere above 23, 22 to 70, no, you should not be wearing so I'm going to be cool because everybody I know is wearing Crocs. You, you do you, boo. I will. I will. I'll continue doing it. I'm glad I asked, though, because I'll take back your Christmas present. I'm just saying. Uh, yes, please do. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, my gosh. The same size shoe, too. So you maybe you should try them on on the way out and see how you like I'm, them. I'm okay. Thank you, Lil. So I have a funny story to share because we live in the country. Both of us, we live in separate places in the country. I'm more in the woods. You are more in the woods. I'm more like low foothills area. But we deal with all kinds of creepy crawlies. We have a skunk that comes in and eats the cat food at night. We have three cats and we feed them in the morning. They're barn cats, so they stay outside all day long. And then we feed them and the skunk comes in when it's like 7 o'clock at night. And we're all sitting there watching TV. You can see its little skunk body come up and try to eat the food and we have to scare it off. But the other night, we're sitting there, we're watching a movie. I go to fill up my water bottle. I go in the kitchen. And right next to the back door is this quarter-sized spider. I'd move out of your house. I'd move. But it happens at everybody's house that lives in the country. You get these these crazy, crazy, creepy crawlies and the spiders and the snakes and the lizards and the skunks and the foxes and the raccoons and all the things. I'm used to it by now, but I don't like spiders. Most of the things I can deal with, but spiders, to me, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not a fan. You're the only girl in the house, so you don't have to take care of it. It's true, for the most part. And sometimes I act like I'm tough, but then I'm like, so I see this huge spider and I'm like, there's a spider in here. And he knows that I'm not going to deal with spiders. Most things I'll deal with, he knows, but this, he knows me well enough. So he comes running in with flip-flop in hand, right? And because I made such a big stink out of my 15-year-old son is standing right behind my husband, too. And I'm like, look over there. And he's like, all right, here we go. And he like goes up and he swings and he hits the spider and it freaking explodes. There are a thousand baby spiders riding 
on this mom spider and they literally like a firework explode off the body of this quarter sized gigantic black spider. And so this happens and I shriek like nobody's business. I'm not a screamer. I'm not washed my brain out with bleach. It was like a movie. It was like one of those events in a movie where you see it and you're like, no, but it was real. And I saw it with my own eyes. So I shriek. My youngest son is in his bedroom, which is very close. He hears me shriek. He kind of comes out. And my husband's like, give me the bug spray. And my oldest son is like, I I don't know where it is. And I'm like, we don't have any bug spray in here because we're in the freaking kitchen. You know, you don't have bug spray in the kitchen. And so... I hand him the Tylex, which has bleach in it. So I'm like, here's the Tylex. Also, we might have mildew. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Clean it all up at once. And he's smacking all the little baby spiders with his flip-flop and squirting them with the Tylex. And my oldest son's grabbing paper towels. And my youngest son's like, what the heck is going on here? And I'm just like dying in the corner. Like, oh my God. I would have gone in my car and driven away. I would have shown up at someone else's house and been like, I'm going to just be here for a while. It was worthy of that, honestly. It was one of those moments where I was like, you can't unsee now. It was insane. And so finally, we get it all wiped up and all killed and everything was taken care of. But it was one of those moments that literally like right now, just talking about it is replaying in my head. And it was one of the most disgusting events I've witnessed in real life. Nope. Pass. Hard pass. Burn down the house. Pass. Well, the funny thing is now, ever since we've seen that spider, every time we see another spider, we're like, does it have babies on it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the next thing is like, what are we going to do with this thing? Make sure it doesn't have a thousand babies on it before we try to kill it. You Marco polled me that story on the app and my youngest was listening to that. And she is like legit retold that story to several people as if they know you. A couple of them have and just literally been like, do you know what happened to Miss Jenny? And then like retold the story verbatim after hearing it once and i was just like oh my gosh yeah that's exactly what happened but like her storytelling is next level that's awesome but yeah that impacted her life as well good and now everybody at this podcast yeah it's gonna the tens and tens of people who listen to this podcast are now gonna have a canon event they're hearing this nice and knowing that that is the kind of crazy crap that happens around my country homestead well i'm glad that you got it cleaned up before i came over Yes. And we're really going to work on spraying hard. I think that back door has just a little hole in in the um, weather stripping that we really need to close up because I find weird bugs in that kitchen often. I will say that is one of many things I loved about living in Washington was there were very few bugs, Mm, very few spiders, very few bugs. And so it was wet all the time. I would move back in a heartbeat. But that was one of the benefits for sure. Yeah, but now you live here and there's mosquitoes. Yeah, and fires and really high taxes. I mean... Mountain lion. Yeah. Yes, we have mountain lions and bears where I live. And Mm -hmm. we passed one of our neighbors the other day had two animal control cars out in front of her house. And my kids wanted me to stop and see if it was a bear. Was it? It was not. I saw it on Nextdoor, uh, which is an app. If you guys don't have that for neighborhood stuff, there was some tea on it, but I, uh, it was not a bear. Okay, sorry, right. but it wouldn't surprise. No, me. there are bears and mountain lions up where we live. So yeah, I saw a friend posted that she was hiking somewhere close by here. She took a picture of a bear climbing up a tree. Oh wow! And I was like, that's insane. Yeah, I really don't want to ever have to deal with a bear or a mountain lion. No. So two things that are not on my bingo card either. No, no. You're faster. Mamas, 
you win. Mm-hmm. Mama bear, mama mountain lion. Mm-hmm. I'll just back away slowly. Yep, you win. I'm not here to do harm. Leave me alone. Yeah. We're going to get into part two of our chat with Allison. If you have not had a chance to go back and listen to episode five, please do. That's going to be part one with her and our MLM story. There was an event right before that that I feel like I saw you in Arizona and then I felt like the next thing this was all happening. And I know in reality, there were a few months between there, but it just felt very like whirlwind to me like, oh my gosh, I did notice that maybe you weren't posting as much and we were expected to have a Instagram, social media, Facebook presence all the time. And so if a business in fat burn means that you are sharing and showing and doing all these things. And then you can tell like when coaches are kind of falling out of it, whether they're falling out of the diet part of it or falling out of the coaching part of it, they just kind of start removing themselves a little bit more. And so as someone who's observing, you're kind of noticing like, oh, Allison usually posts three times a day and I haven't seen a post from her in about a week. I wonder what's going on. And so that's kind of where I was seeing the difference. And again, we weren't close, close friends, but, you know, your stuff would pop up when you posted it. So it'd be like, oh, okay, interesting. And let's not forget that we also copied people's posts all the time. So it was like, oh, Allison's got the goods. Like what she posted today (laughs) so I could copy her stuff and repost it, you know? And so it was interesting because that was happening. You were, I'd seen you and then it was kind of like the coaching started dying down. And then I did see you post about your real estate stuff coming up. And then the Facebook live happened and it was just like, what is going on? What is happening here? And and really the cognitive dissonance for me started kind of popping up again because it was like, oh, I was seeing this before and I was looking away before, but now it's like, wait a minute, she's making a little bit of sense, you know, and through my own experiences as well, I was kind of coming to more of the conclusion that like, maybe this isn't a place that I want to be putting in all my chips right now. Right. Also, can we talk about the spiritual manipulation that goes oh. on in these type of things? I mean, I saw it in the Lula Rowe documentary and just from what I saw at the very top of this MLM, I never experienced it. I've seen screenshots from different social media accounts, all the different spiritual manipulation that I've seen coming out. I just don't understand the tie-in. I've never understood how you get this. You would never see Bank of the West or Goldman Sachs or I don't know, just any other corporation have the spiritual manipulation. I don't get it. Well, I've kind of put some pieces together with that. Some tippy top leaders went to a thing called master's commission, which is like to prepare you for ministry. And then they never really went into ministry. So I think, well, cause ministry doesn't mm-hmm. pay well. Hello, pastor's wife. You know, like we're not poor, but we're not flying private jets all over the place. We're very content with the lifestyle that God has afforded us, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're okay with that. And so I think that they maybe feel like this call to church ministry of some sort. And so they pull it into this MLM and you pretend. Yes. And I feel like they use God's name in vain. Oh, yeah. To push their agenda forward. It's like God is an accessory to what they're doing so that they can make more money. And I just think that's gross. (laughs) 100% agree. I think a lot of people get tied up in the like God's name in vain is saying it out of anger, all of this different stuff and conversations. And I think a lot more of it is using God's name to further agendas or say, God hates this. God hates you, all of this. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's going to be pretty pissed one day when he comes down and sees all the things that we used his name for saying he hated these people or he hated these things. Yeah. And of course, being a person of faith, Mm -hmm. I love that aspect when I was in it. But now that I'm out of it, I'm like, oh, 
ick. Ick, 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 because it's so like you go to these events and I'm like, first of all, not everybody's a person of faith. And there are people of many faiths. There are people who are Jewish. There are people who are Mormon. There are people who are Catholic. There are people who are, I think Muslim, maybe I'm not sure. And I'm thinking you're making this all about your faith when this Mm -hmm. is supposed to be a business event. And now you're tying in like, God has called us to this such a time as this being Mm -hmm. like Esther in the Bible. And I'm like, you're in an MLM. Hello, hello, ma'am. This is a Wendy's. Okay. <laughs> we need to calm down. Like just like Taylor Swift sings. You need to calm yes. down. You need to calm it's down. It's an MLM where in my opinion, you sell crappy diet food. Okay. It's not your calling in life. You're not changing the world. And I'm going to preach a little bit here, but the only person that can change the world is Jesus. So you know what I mean? Like stop using your MLM as mm-hmm. the gospel. Cause it's not. And they've traded the gospel for their MLM. And so that's a whole other thing I could go down and I'm not going to, but that was gross to me. It was gross. Yeah, agreed. Totally. It still is gross. And to even see, you know, top leaders now, and I get screenshots all the time. It's hilarious because I'm blocked from everybody's stuff. Like people just blocked me immediately, you know, because God forbid, I don't know. You got to block the haters, right? Whatever. Except if you're speaking only the truth and you're not putting anything out there that's false or wrong, why do you need to block people? Right. It's a great question. If they know the truth, then the whole thing crumbles around them. And that's what it is. They have to live in a world where they are the author of, you know, their pyramid scheme, their family tree, if you will, whatever it is that they're doing. And if one little block gets pulled out, then they actually start coming to the realization that they're just part of a scheme and that they're really just playing off people to make money. They can't do that. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was sent a video about the wife the day after she did the video about me, she was at some event and she was doing a Facebook live and like, thank you everybody for your support, blah, 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 blah. She's like, you know, in that podcast, this person said that it's a cult. And I just, I look around and I see the people I'm surrounded with and they're good people and good people don't join cults. Or she said something along those lines. And I'm like, everybody in a cult thinks that y'all are good people sitting around in an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Actually, good people do join cults. <laughs> a lot of good people join cults. And I'm like, so you literally live, are living in an echo chamber where no one is telling you, you might want to think about what you're doing. I can finally come out and say something and I'm the enemy, mm-hmm. you know? And it says in the Bible, something along the lines of, I'm not quoting the Bible, but basically it's like wounds from a friend can be trusted. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's in Psalms or Proverbs. I don't know. I'm not the Bible scholar. My husband is. Anyways, um, my husband said that he was like, you know, wounds from a friend can be trusted when your friend is saying to you, like, you know, this is what I'm seeing mm-hmm. instead of reaching out to me and being like, Hey, we're really hurt by this podcast. Can we sit down and talk? I would have been like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cause I don't want our friendship to dissipate. But this is how I've been feeling for a long time. And if you really want to talk about it, and you really want to hear it, let's talk about it. But instead it was like, nope, you don't agree. You spoke out. You're blocked. You have no part of our life anymore. Done. Yeah. Also, you went from like, hey, can we talk on a text to, oh, you're blocked on everything. Just because we blocked you and removed you as our friend, it doesn't mean we're not friends. It Actually, it means the opposite. It's, it's opposite day. How do you not get that? <laughs> I, I still don't. I'm still like trying to understand that one. I'm trying to figure out the timeline here. So you went to this event and then you kind of started falling off and then they messaged you in January and then they blocked you and took you from everything shortly thereafter. Your podcast came came out. They did lives. Has there been any conversation between you guys since the text message after the holidays and now other than like what's been on social media from their perspective? No. Wow. No. So there's never been any closure to the friendship, the 15 year friendship. Yeah. 
Well, I saw a training she did at their event in March or something that's always here in Phoenix. And she got up there and she talked about cutting people out of her life and how you got to cut people. She used a plant analogy and it's basically like, you know, you got to cut things out and I've had to cut things out this year. And it was really hard and it was really difficult. And I went through a really hard time and everybody in that audience for the most part knows what she's Mm -hmm. talking about. Yeah. It's me. And I sat here on my couch watching that. And I was another anti-MLMer that came out with that video. And that's when I saw it. And my mom was sitting on the couch with me. And my mom was like, is she talking about you? And I'm like, yep. Wow. She's talking about me. So in her mind, maybe I'm dead. I don't know. (laughs) So you're like, am I the plant in this? Yeah. Am I the leaf cutting? I take umbrage thinking I'm that. She was talking about like cutting out dead stuff so that you can make room for growth and how she had to cut things out and how sometimes it looks good, but it's really not good. So you still have to cut it out. And I was like, okay, that's me. Like you cut me out, which is fine. You're welcome for your speech. Right. Yeah. No (laughs) doubt about that. Um, it just was like, and I've thought about texting her and just being like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. I still care about you. Mm-hmm. I still love you mm-hmm. as a person. Do I agree with what's going on? No, I don't. I don't. And if we can't be friends because of that, that's okay. But it's sad that a friendship has dissipated. Yeah. Like a real yeah. friendship mm-hmm. because of an MLM. From what you have done on your side of things, you guys could have still been friends. You know what I mean? Like you didn't come to this conclusion on leaving your MLM because you hated them. It had nothing to do with them. You had just decided it was time for you to exit and you could have maintained the friendship on your perspective if they had allowed it. You know, yeah, probably. I mean, there were some things that I had seen from the husband. For example, we were in Cabo on a, one of the trips you had to pay for. You had to earn, but you had to pay for Okay. Which is wild to me. It's like, yes, work really hard to earn it, but you also have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so we went and that was the time we flew on the private jet with them. Wow. Their leaders. Okay. So my husband and him were playing golf and I saw them in the lobby after they'd been done playing golf. And me and the husband of my upline, we had a very brother sister relationship, just very snarky with each other, like picking at each other all the time, you know, out of love, of course. Mm-hmm. And so they walk up and I'm like, I asked my husband, I'm like, how was your golf game? He's like, oh my gosh, I played the best I've ever played, blah, 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 blah. And then I looked at the husband. I was like, oh, so how'd you play? And he was like, oh, it was so bad. It was the worst I've ever played. I was like, oh, so those new golf clubs and all of those uh, lessons you're taking isn't really panning out for you, huh? And he looks at me and he said, well, you know what? I'd much rather have my bank account than his golf score. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How insecure are you? And I was like, <laughs> I just like, it was just like. I love it that you're giving him this ribbing that's supposed to be like brotherly, like, haha, you know, like, how's that working out for you? And then he just comes in just hardcore. Like his heart was just right there. Like, this is exactly how I feel. Just FYI. And well, it just goes to show like he thinks his bank account makes him so amazing. Yeah, you're a really cool, dude. You know? mm-hmm. Wish I was you. So there was things like that over the like, yeah. couple years that, you know, it just adds this deposit of like, that didn't feel right to me. Yeah. So when you ask me, do I still want to be friends with them? When I'm looked up and down, when I walk in a room because I've gained weight, that doesn't feel good. That's disgusting. You know, when I'm asked constantly, like, how's your health? Well, basically you're saying, I see you're gaining weight. Yeah. Yeah, I am. It's COVID. I had a son at home that has autism. Like, you know, my daughter's a freshman and wearing a mask to school and cheerleading. It's like, it was a lot. You know, my dad died. There was no grace for that. It was, I'm going to look you up and down. And I'm sure I'm talked about when I left, you know, like, oh, Allison's gaining weight. Yeah. I did gain weight and we could go into that too about the whole doctor side of that, but we won't. So I love them as people. I think the wife is a genuine, beautiful soul. I think the husband has become a little more like 
what are you saying? He's buying his own BS. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even the things that I'm sent that he posts, you know, like sex is better in a bed if you own it. I'm like, if a CEO said that, the company. It is so cringe. That is. I just, cringe. Yes. What are you even saying? Like, it's gross. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Stop. You know? Yeah. It's just wild what's happening. So what I see from an outsider's perspective is that I can see that the ship is sinking. I could see that maybe she reaches out in the future. I don't know her. So I don't know if she'd ever say, hey, I was wrong. I called this wrong. I don't know if she's that type of person. But like the fact that they're throwing everything at the wall, alleged weight loss shots with the food, the supplements, because you know, the market's not oversaturated with supplements and BCAs. So like, let's do that. Gyms, weight loss competitions, Mm -hmm. all of this stuff. You can see that their stock is tanking in the market. So I feel like they're throwing whatever they can because they are going down. And so maybe they step away from it or start having to do something differently because they're not making money anymore or the same money that they were. So I don't know if she would ever reach out and be like, yeah, you were right. And I was wrong. I don't know if she's that sort of person. I don't know. I mean, I I'm always open to reconciliation. You know what I mean? I'm always open to that. Again, I, my purpose and just sharing my story was because you feel so alone. Like you're the only person and the amount of people that have come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, what you said is so true. Thank you. I've been feeling this. I've been noticing this. And it's like, okay, I'm not crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So my point wasn't to like hurt her. My point was just to be like, this is why I left. And it hurt you in the process. And I'm sorry, but it doesn't mean that I shouldn't share my story. You know, doesn't make it any less true for you and anyone else who had that same experience. Right. In what world are you working in a corporate office and you leave and your manager does a Facebook live about you. Exactly. And slanders everything that you are. And then everybody's like, she's from the devil because she said that their work environment wasn't good or whatever the case may be. And no one's allowed to talk to you anymore. I still have friends from every job I've been to. Right, yeah. But we're a legitimate business. We're not an MLM. Yeah. You're shining a light on the reality of what this MLM is all about. And it is just this manipulation and bringing people in with this idea of friendship and it's not transactional, but it's a hundred percent transactional, you know, and the friendship is only there as long as you are doing your end of the bargain, which is making them money. And then once you step away, it's let's have this conversation about, you know, how's your health? How's your business? How are things going? Oh, you want to be done? Okay. Cut you off. And now we got to move on to the next. Don't say anything. Don't say anything to anybody. Just keep your mouth shut. Be above the line. Above the line. Unless your experience has been super positive, then you can say whatever you want. But if it hasn't been the most super positive, amazing thing ever, you can't say anything. Live above the line and take personal responsibility. But when that yeah. comes back to them as quote leaders, mm-hmm. no. it's not really, it's not done. There is no living above the line. There is no apologizing for fat shaming doctors. There is, it's like doubling down. Like Jenny said, like, no, I'm right. You're wrong. You know, attitude reflects leadership. Yeah. I did not even say this. You guys are going to die. So, you know, after my podcast came out, I got a cease and desist from the company. Yeah. Okay. And I was asked to take down some posts from my other account that I never used for the quote business. Well, I took those down. My podcast was still up. Like I fought for that to stay up. One of the top leader guys took a screenshot of one of the posts that I had to take down for the company. And he used that by covering my face with an emoji and used that in one of his presentations in front of like 3000 people to mock the message that I was saying in that video. Wow. Hell no. I'd be like, oh, back up it goes. Honestly, I thought about it, but now, I mean, it's, it's gone now, but I was just like, so I have to take that down, but then you can use it 
to to shame me in the message. You didn't even name the company. Did you have to hire a lawyer? Oh, I hired a lawyer. And I've been very careful about only saying things I absolutely know are true. And I have, I have screenshots. That's good. Because my lawyer was like, they can't dispute truth. Like if mm-hmm. this is being put up or this is like, I have so many screenshots that prove what I said in my podcast about love bombing, about people saying something negative on the client support page and, and coaches in the background being like, we got to take this down. Can you reach out to your client? That's negative. I have a thousand screenshots of just that. Yeah. And Jenny kept all of her receipts too, FYI. So if you're coming for us, just know she has it all. Yeah, I do. I do as well. Cause it's out there. This is normal for this MLM, probably for a lot of MLMs is it? it's like, they're saying the quiet part out loud. And if you're in it, you're agreeing with them. You're like, oh yes, this is how you do it. This is great. Whatever. And it's funny. Cause you're not realizing that that's what they're doing to you. They're teaching you how to manipulate people while they're manipulating you, which you're like, yeah, that's how you do it. And you're like, wait a minute. Hold on. You just did that to me. And honestly, I think that they don't even realize, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think they realize they are manipulating people. I think they are so bought in mm-hmm. on what they're doing and they're making so much money that they cannot see past the end of their nose. Totally. That it's so nearsighted that if they really were to like, honestly open their eyes, listen to people that have left, listen to friends that have said like, this is not good. I think that maybe they could see it, but they can't see it because then they would have to admit that stuff. And then their lifestyle is jeopardized. Totally. And once you're making four, five, six, seven million dollars a year, how can you go back to being a normal person with a job? God forbid. God forbid you have a job. I'll say I think that the very top, who I will call Tree Branch, knows and manipulates. Absolutely. You can't play stupid and smart at the same time. And you can be that unaware and be such a good, smart businessman. And you know this and you're so much smarter than everybody else. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know what I'm doing. And that guy, he's like above <laughs> the people that Allison was under. So it's like this, again, family tree situation. He pays for coaches to coach him, right? So he pays for MLM mentorship. And then he brings these MLM coaches into our MLM to talk at these different things. So 100%, he knows. When he did a video that, again, I saw through anti-MLM, that's the weirdest thing about this is that it is at speed in the anti-MLM world, right? which I'm I'm no. not mad about. One of them did a video about him talking about the compensation plan. I had never seen the video before because I never watched those videos. They're boring. So he spoke for like an hour and a half about the comp plan. And at one point he put up his monthly income mm-hmm. and then he crossed out like the first number. So it made it look like he was only making like, let's just say like 25,000 in the month or whatever, but it really was probably like 225,000. I went and looked because I know the back office. Like I know what each line means. Yeah. What he was making off of his just clients was maybe half a percent of his monthly income compared to his team bonus, 99.5%. Mm-hmm. It was his team. Wow. So you can act like you don't know what you're doing when you look at your income and then you say, look at this. This is why I can go to Europe for two months and only hop yeah. on a Zoom a couple of times. I think you and I went back and forth on this a little bit because one of the things that he was saying in this video was that you needed to have, let's say 15 clients, right? Like the company standards need to have 15 clients, but I because I'm so awesome, I carry a bigger client load than that. So I have 20 clients. Let's just say, just throwing out numbers out there, right? And I remember looking at his numbers that he posted and going, that's not even 15 clients. Like the amount of clients that he had posted there and what he was saying in the video was not congruent with the numbers that he had put out there. And 
I texted Dallas and I was like, that's not even 15 clients. And here he is saying, oh, I carry 20 clients. I go above and beyond for my company because that's just what the expectations are. So he's lying to his downline coaches and setting an expectation that even he himself doesn't follow. Right. One of his clients is dog. Does he have fake ghost accounts? No, I think maybe his kids, but that's speculation. I think when you get to that level, all of your frontline, all of those people that are ordering from you every month are your coaches. Mm -hmm. So you rarely have to bring on a new client. Mm -hmm. Whereas people like you, me, you're scrambling because you had three clients drop off this month and now you're not going to hit ranks. So you're not getting that bonus. Yeah. Whereas I'm ordering from them because I'm told every month you need to order because that's a thank you to your coach for bringing you into the business. Mm -hmm. And their whole thing is we're not an MLM because you don't have to make a purchase. You don't have to, but I didn't make a purchase for two months because I had so much freaking garbage in my pantry. And my upline called me and she was like, you know, I noticed you're about to lose your premiere. You haven't ordered in two months. Like what's going on? And I'm like, I have so much crap in my pantry. I don't want to order. Yeah. So I think it's misleading when he says he has 15 clients. They maybe bring on yeah. four a year. Maybe. He's not doing weekly calls with them. No. Like you couldn't be more right about your front line are your coaches, which is what pyramid schemes are all about, right? And they tell you in the training that you're not to order your food under your husband who might be underneath you as one of your clients. You have to order your food that you're eating from your coach and your husband's food if he's on program with you from your coach. The whole idea is that like you're paying them as a thank you. Sorry, Jenny, I was not in compliance when I did that. Like I never cared and I never called any of my clients and said, oh, your premier's running out. If they were constantly in contact with me. And I noticed that I hadn't paid, but we've been talking every week. Then I'd be like, hey, bro, like you haven't made an order. That's just to let you know. But but I'd never call somebody that I haven't been talking to in two months and go, hey, by the way, yeah. your order is up. So you better place an order soon. That's ridiculous. Well, and I never called my coaches and were like, hey, you haven't ordered. Like that's how the system is. Thank me for bringing you into this. You are so right on. So right on. It's wild. But that's another, in my opinion, that's another manipulation tool. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to make an order every month because you're thanking your coach for bringing you into this amazing vehicle that brings you freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't give my principal a $10 gift card every month. Thank you for hiring me at this school so that parents can yell at me and kids can go trash bathrooms for a social media challenge. Like, no, that's not how that works. But we're real business. This MLM's a real business. Yes. So I don't know what you're talking about. You're an entrepreneur. You own your own business. You're running it. Like when Michael Scott is making like the phone card thing and Jim gets up and like draws yes. the triangle around it. Yes, totally. Allison, you wanted to talk a little bit about the next steps with this MLM. And one thing they just recently did is they put out some extra supplements. They're doing another cash grab. So they keep on changing some things up because the current people who are ordering and purchasing from this are maybe fizzling out. And so they're looking for more people. And so they just put out some new supplements, which were, oh, by the way, released to coaches first right before convention so that all of the coaches can get back on program and they can use these supplements and basically feed all the money back to their upline, which is what happened, right? There was like a huge spike and everybody was excited. And now it's kind of fizzled out again. But then there's a new kind of thing that they're going for with a cash grab. And so you wanted to talk about that next thing, right? Well, I mean, for years in this health and wellness MLM, they talked constantly from stage about pharmaceuticals, about, you know, the doctor of the future will give no medicine. Like, did you hear that from stage ever, Jenny? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all of a sudden, and I mean... I don't want to say I blew it wide open, but I found some stuff online and I was like, whoa, hold on. This company is partnering with a telehealth medicine company that's going to give Ozempic? Like, 
I'm confused. Like, isn't the program enough? Like you guys have said for years and all these coaches for months before that. And I got the screenshots, top leaders, like we, our company will never, never work with pharmaceuticals. Shots are the quick fix. We don't do quick fixes. We don't do shots. We don't do this, this, this. We do life-changing transformations. Yeah. Yes, we're lifelong transformation. And so then I find out that they are working with a company. From what I understand, the telehealth medicine gives the shot to the patient. Mm-hmm. And they connect to a coach who then sells them the program, the health program. So they're doing Ozempic and the program together. And the doctor is the one that's helping them with the Ozempic stuff. And then the coach is the one helping with them with the food stuff. And I was like, this is so anti what has been said for at least the four and a half, close to five years I was in it. Mm -hmm. Everything I've seen online from top leaders, from everybody. And now all of a sudden, we're all in bed with Ozempic. If you can't beat them, join them, hop in bed with them. You know, I mean, listen, I tried to get on Ozempic. My doctor was like, nope, Kaiser would not let me. But I tried. I would absolutely have done it if I had, could have gotten on it. But I did it. Oh, you did, I did it. OK, Um, I was on Munjaro for three months. The first month I no, it wasn't on Munjaro that I gained weight. I lost eight pounds in three months. OK, my doctor was like, OK, this is interesting. It made me violently ill, like so, so, so sick. And um, you don't eat a lot. Like you can barely eat a lot. It's supposed to mimic gastric sleeve. Okay. I was doing Manjaro and then I stopped um, this January and then I went and started Ozempic for four months. And in that four months, the first month I gained weight. On Ozempic? On Ozempic. (laughs) You're like, thanks body. Yeah. And my doctor looked at me and she's like, okay, um, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you either. You're like, I want my money back. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I'm here, I'm paying like all this money. And then the last three months, I lost eight pounds total okay. on Ozempic. And it, again, it made me violently ill. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. It doesn't work for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't eat a lot on it. At least I couldn't eat a lot on it, you know, and I wasn't losing weight. Yeah. And so why I said all of that to say, I mean, for them to like now be partnering with, and the doctor that is over all of this gets on stage at convention and even says like, we believe in pharmaceutical health. Yeah. As a tool. Now that we see this is the future that everyone else is going towards and we can make some cash. And there's no judgment to doing weight loss stuff, Ozempic, whatever you do, you whatever works best for you. But the bottom line is that this company for years said that that was the easy way out. I remember posting. I probably do have a post if I go back and look talking about, you know, that stupid meme of pharmaceutical drugs and there's like a bunch of people in line and then lifestyle changes and there's nobody. Right. Like this was the narrative that we as coaches were feeding our clients and saying all the time because it was coming from the top. This is not what you do. That is a quick fix and an easy out. And now, oh, this is the new thing. Let's jump on board. And Allison, I remember you showing me some of the screenshots from, you know, when you went to look at it a little bit more, there were like 10 coaches that you could pick from on there. Not all the coaches, you couldn't have anybody. So this wasn't available to any coach underneath this MLM. There were specific coaches. So those specific coaches were benefiting from this new pharmaceutical change. It wasn't open to everybody to do. It was just these specific people for whatever reason. I mean, maybe because they were the top of the top of the top. I don't know. But it's frustrating to me as somebody who is not the top of the top that my name wouldn't have been up there too to help people out. Everything I've read and from what you've said is that you're not super hungry and you're not eating a ton. Would you even want to have that food on the program? I mean, would that have sounded good to you at any point? No, probably not. I mean, just 
to get something in your stomach. I mean, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're desperate to lose weight. You get on Ozempic and then you're desperate to lose weight. You get on this MLM product. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, the food in our MLM wasn't good. You would never choose it over anything else. So at the end of the day, you're desperate to lose weight. And that's why you're on Ozempic and on this MLM. So you would have eaten it, you know, and that's probably what they're doing is saying, well, you only can eat 800 calories anyway. So you might as well eat our space food versus actually eating real food. Yeah. I mean, if you're paying for Ozempic. Well, not only that, let's talk about the cost because Ozempic isn't cheap. Once a month, you're seeing the telehealth doctor, you're paying for Ozempic, and then you're also paying for the program. I mean, I know they were giving discounts and I'm not sure what that looked like in terms of, I think you got like half off for three months or something like that mm-hmm. but still you're talking like seven hundred dollars maybe a month wow for the Ozempic and the program maybe more wow that's a lot that's a lot of money you know and I think the program now is like five hundred dollars a month or something like that just for the program every month and I remember like people being like I can't afford that in my mind I'm like oh well you can afford what you want to afford mm-hmm. but now I'm like actually for some people that's maybe yeah. three quarters of their grocery budget for the month mm-hmm. talking about one person mm-hmm. You know, so the whole thing of like, well, people will have garage sales and then they bring the one person that had a garage sale so that they can do program. And you know who I'm talking about, Jenny. What do you got in your garage that you can sell like multiple months for $500? I think this person asked for donations or like picked stuff up. Like, are you going to, is there stuff you're giving to Goodwill? And then they'd pick it up and then they'd sell it at this yard sale. In my opinion, that's what I heard. And there was a lot of talk about this person who was like, well, she made it work. Her first month, she split it with a friend and then they bought it every two weeks. And you're just like, oh, wow. So if you really want to do it, you could find a way. We'll do it. Right. You'll sell plasma. You'll sell your blood. You'll sell your firstborn. You know, I mean, it was just. You're so desperate. And I think that's the bottom line is that it's the MLMs prey on people when they're desperate, when they're vulnerable, when you're sitting there and you're just like, I need something. And then somebody posts something or says something and you're like, that is the answer. And they give you all the right things to say to make that person feel like you have the answer for them. And you're just, you know, preying on their vulnerability and you're picking at their wounds, whatever it is to make your product a solution for whatever it is that they're going through. I think when you turn around after getting out and you look back at that, it's like, that's the reality of it. You know, only for so long can you be brainwashed enough to think that this is the answer for the rest of your life. It's not. It's just something that you use to manipulate and make money. And it's not right. Well, and not only that, when you try to get coaches on board, it's the same thing. You pick Mm -hmm. at the vulnerabilities. It's like, oh, you're a working mom that's working 40 hours a week and you want to be home with your kids. Mm hmm. Like, this is the vehicle to do that. Like, why would you not want to do that? This is a nooks and crannies job. No, it's not. This is not a nooks and crannies thing if you're coaching this program. Yeah. Like, I had kids on the soccer field in their cars or whatever while their kids were in gymnastics trying to fit in client calls or doing a coach explore with me or whatever it is, trying to make it work or on Zooms at 10 o'clock at night because somebody's on the West Coast and mm-hmm. it's seven o'clock. You know what I mean? And so this isn't nooks and crannies. So the allure of freedom that keeps people in MLMs like this is such smoke and mirrors. It really is smoke and mirrors. I mean, I saw my upline's husband the other day say something about his body fat percentage because they're all obsessed with that right now. Like the body fat percentage thing is mind blowing. Like all of a sudden it's not just about health. It's like how low can my body percent be? Not to mention your brain is entirely almost made of fat and your brain needs fat to actually work properly and everything. That's funny you say that because the same person put a quote up saying something about 
the higher your weight is, the lower your brain function is. Oh, okay. Okay. And I'm like, so you're saying fat people are stupid? No, you're stupid. That is just the most ridiculous. I can't even. It's so ridiculous. So um, this person was talking about, it's been two months and I've been here and here and here and here and here. And I, I only went up 2% body fat. I haven't even been home 10 consecutive days. And I'm like, okay, hold on. But you tout all the time how your second youngest child doesn't know what it's like to have a dad that goes to the office, but yet you haven't been home for 10 consecutive days. Mm. I, mean, I know. I think one of those weeks was probably like they took their kids somewhere or whatever, but in two months, you haven't been home for 10 consecutive days, but you say to everybody, I have freedom. I can be home with my kids. No, your nanny mm-hmm. is at home with your kids and you're flitting all around the world, all around the country. And your nanny is home. Don't give me that bull crap. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. below me, the freedom thing. And you see your kids as collateral. Like you could be home with your kids. And, and just another yeah. little bit of the hypocrisy, right? It's like they say one thing, but they do something completely different. It's bait and switch. I do have to point out, I have to, I'm laughing because this guy that we're talking about with the body fat thing. So right before they came out with their supplements, all the like top, top, top people had the supplement first. So they were like, oh, we've got this new thing that we're using. And no one can have it yet, but we have it. And to prove how good it works, we're going to go on like a challenge or something. You know, they're, they're kind of just like they're advertising to their downline, but they can't really put it out there. So this guy goes, I'm going to go 100% strict on this program and use this supplement and I'm going to drop my body fat. Just watch. Right. And so he posts this in body scan of his body fat and everything's high. And then 10 days later, everything's low. And he posts about that again. And he puts this side by side comparison. And what it shows on there is that maybe three days before he decided to go on this challenge, the dude went on a freaking bulk and he ate everything under the sun. And so it was like low and then it like spiked super high. And he's like, here's my numbers before. And then he went and he lost the weight going back to what he normally did and stopped eating crap. And he went back down. I actually texted Allison because I'm like, look at this. Anybody who's looking at these numbers, who knows what they're looking at? Because that's the thing. There's a lot of uneducated in this realm people like not uneducated people, but they don't know what they're looking at when they're looking at this in body thing. So he can scam people and saying, look at this. But when you really look at the numbers, it's like, bro, you freaking ate like crap for three days beforehand. Your body fat went up because it's not exact. Those aren't like perfect numbers. You know, it's you're tricking the in-body machine and then you're like losing the weight and you're right back to where you were three days before you decided to go on this. And then you did a cut like a bodybuilder. Also, I'm glad that you're doing all these special magic supplements. If only there were brick and mortar stores just for vitamins and supplements. Imagine, <laughs> imagine a world. I'm so glad you came up with this. <laughs> like it's some new profound yeah, concept. And now all these coaches aren't just health coaches. They're like fitness yeah. gurus mm-hmm. now, you know? Oh. And there's zero training. Chelsea, we were talking about this too. It's like there is zero training to any of this when you first start. It's like, you know about the program. You know, you eat these things, you do this thing, you have all these like rigid rules that you're following so that when your clients aren't losing weight, you can go back to the rigid rules and say, well, did you do this? Did you do that? But none of us coaches are nutritionists. None of us know nutrition. Nobody knows how much you're supposed to eat or how many calories you're supposed to. I mean, heaven forbid you say something about calories. Like nobody in the coaching world knows anything about calories. We just know these are the rules. Did you follow the rules? Then you're doing it wrong. Now let's enter this world of working out where, again, most of these people don't know nutrition and most of them don't know about working out either. So now we're going to have this be a new vein in our product line. No, no. Yeah. I'm going to get off my high horse. We could probably go on for hours and hours and hours. I think we've hit some high points. Right. 
I mean, we didn't even cover everything, but we covered a lot. There's so much to talk about. It's it's just crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's true. We could go on forever because there's still more that's coming out all the time. But I do think that we covered a lot of good bases today. And I really think that it's important to have this conversation and to get it out there, especially to people who are coming out of this MLM. Because like you said, Allison, there's so many people who feel like they're alone or that their story is unique. And then when you start hearing other people's stories, you realize that it's not unique, that this is the manipulation that they use. These are the taxes that they use. And it's hard to come out and look at the world again and heal and recover. I don't want to play a victim in any of it because I don't feel like I am. But there is some residual from the six years that I've been indoctrinated into this speak, into the thoughts, into looking at people as business partners as opposed to friends and looking at food like the enemy sometimes or thinking transactionally about using social media and those kind of things. And so I'm happy that we have these conversations that we can refer people back to to say, hey, you're not alone. There are other people that have felt the same way and that are seeing the same things that you're seeing. What was really helpful to me is like, you know, people are probably like, why are you you still talking about this? You've been out for almost a year, like in January, it'll be a year. I have read it takes you just as long to get out and be deprogrammed as it was when you were in. So I was in for like four and a half-ish years, almost five, um, closer to five. So it's going to take me four and a half, five years for my brain to deprogram everything I was taught and I lived and I learned while I was there. And you were in it longer than me. You were six years? Mm-hmm. Six years. So it take you six years. So mm-hmm. we might be talking about this for six years. So people just chill out. Okay. Just chill out. And if you need to process something and that means you talk about it 10 times or you talk about it a hundred, doesn't matter. You get to talk about it and process however long it takes you to do that. Nobody gets to tell you, oh, sorry, you're done processing. They can just not listen. They can unsubscribe. They can move on with their life. What they don't get to do is tell you when you're done processing. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It's validation too, to know that like we can still have conversations and we can still expose what we're seeing. I think it validates our choice to leave, Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Which is nice. It makes you feel like you're not crazy. That's good. And there will still be people leaving, you know, if we talk about it 10 times, there will still be people getting out that are looking for people that are saying the same thing that we're saying, you know, and I still look around the internet to see other former coaches in this MLM and see what they said, just because it's nice to, again, find a place where people are agreeing with the experience that you had. Right, right. Love it. Well, thanks so much, Allison, for joining us on our podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Of course. Well, we might have to do it again and spill some more snarky tea. I know that there's so much more (laughs) that we could go into. Allison and I text each other back and forth. And sometimes I said the same things to Chelsea. I'm like, oh, Allison said this, you know, (laughs) it's like watching Real Housewives. You know, there's just drama unfolding that you're just like, what is going on? I have to talk to somebody about this. Oh, I'm here for it. (laughs) I don't want to be in the drama, but I'll talk about the drama. Exactly. That's what we're here for. Thank you so much. Thanks for everybody listening today and have a great day. All right. Bye. Bye. 